Adi Tati. God Almighty. Is there anything better than rap songs overlaid on 80s music? That's my favorite genre, if that is a genre. If you can find me some uh, 80s tracks, like old old Queen like that, or, uh, you know, just overlaid with some, some good rap, let me know. Hit me up at law at TokaWorks, L-A-W-T-O-C-O. W-O-R-K-S.com. I'm going to give that to you again for the Sweat Equity listeners because this podcast, we had uh, power uh, girthy photographer Joe Sale on, friend of the program. He's our go-to photographer for a lot of uh, business locally here because he gets shit done. The problem is we had him on. We were talking about Burning Man. We were talking about uh, some really interesting kind of photography-related stuff, and then this Mevo camera goes out. And so um, something with the SD card, I think a friend of ours, uh, former former co-host Caleb Fuddy, borrowed, we swapped many SD cards, and for some reason that uh, I think the one we have doesn't write as fast. I don't know. It's boring. Anyway, we got a corrupted file. We don't know how to revive it. So if anybody knows how to revive, uh, I'm interested. And that email is law at t-o-c-o-w-o-r-k-s dot com. Law at tokoworks.com. I'm not going to do a long intro. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's one of those things where we did have a good discussion afterwards about uh, a lot about sobriety and uh, you know photography and how to get to that next level. It was fun. It was good. And... Uh, you know, Eric actually, you know, not actually, but Eric was getting in there asking questions. He was giving me eyeballs like, hey, shut up. I got a question kind of thing. So I like that we're getting it. We're getting it going more and more as uh, as we do this. And, you know, if you like this program, there's a couple things you can do. You can subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. Uh, I think we're on Spotify now, I believe. I, I could check easily, I guess, but I don't want to do it during this intro. And so... Share this with a buddy. Share this with a friend. That's free. That takes five seconds. I, I'm trying to get better at that. I'll go out of my way to review people's businesses now, friends of mine, people running their own business that, you know, you're bored at night. Instead of trying to look on Twitter for something or on Instagram for something, I go, well, how can I help someone else? And those reviews go a long way. So uh, lawyers on, on avo.com or uh, avo, no one knows how to say it correctly. It's kind of the euro, gyro, gyro of, uh, the online world, but that's a good way to support. Nudge a buddy of yours. Hey, this, uh, this is a good podcast to kind of listen to. These guys aren't super professional, but, um, they're asking all the kind of questions about discipline, motivation, all this stuff. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll we're going to get better. I'm going to try to need us start punching punching it up with a little more comedy. I feel like I, I'm getting too serious with these interviews. Anyway, before this turns into a diary, um, this episode is brought to you by Warby Parker Glasses. If you're watching this on uh, Facebook, Vimeo, or YouTube, that's other ways you can uh, get this podcast out there, friends. Uh, you can see on my table, <coughs> Warby Parker Glasses. I am a user. I believe in Warby Parker. I believe in good-looking glasses, and I believe in not paying artificial pricing from an Italian company called Lexotica that owns 
99% of the market. You know you go to Sunglass Hut, you go to Lens Crafters, they bought every sunglass and uh, eyeglassware, uh, brick and mortar in the United States, and that's how you can create your own price, $300 for glasses. Yeah, that's why Ray-Bans are so expensive. So, <coughs> Warby Parker, uh, don't play like that. Warby Parker is a disruptor. I, like, I, I love and hate that word, talking about tech stuff, talking about uh, startup companies, but they are truly a disruptor. They basically said, fuck that. We can make our own glasses. We can do it at a, a good price. I believe mine were like 100 bucks compared to if I went right out of my, my doctor's office, it would have been, uh, my optometrist's office, it would have been, I don't know, at least 200 for glasses I don't want. Here's the deal. You go to warbyparkertrial.com forward slash sweat, like Keith Sweat. And uh, when you go to warbyparkertrial.com forward slash sweat, you hook up the show. That helps us out. And then uh, you can select five frames, test them out for five days, ship them to you free. Um, and it's, it's a great deal. I've done it. I showed everybody in the office I used to be in, hey, how does this look on my fat face? And they're like, nah. And then I was like, I finally found these pair. And uh, I, I think I look okay. I'm not going to put them on. I don't need to. Not right now. But they do have my prescription in them. Uh, some people have asked me about that. You can just, all you do is, you know, type in whatever your, uh, whatever the numbers are that you're given. Gee, the numbers, like it's a lotto. But you type it in, uh, you, you can scan it and send it into them. And it's, it's pretty neat. I think, plus it beats the shit out of going to those lens crafter stores. They're never in a cool, they're always in like a traffic zone or a sunglass hut. It's always at the mall. So you can get uh, sunglasses with your prescription in them. And Warby Parker just does it. And now they're starting to do a reverse kind of thing where they were online only, and now they got little pop-up stores, which I love. I love it. I don't know. I like seeing that. That story gets me fired up to talk about, you know, entrepreneurship, business, uh, growth. Uh, growth hacking is another terrible term. Uh, but I, I like seeing disruptors, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Warby Parker. Go to uh, warbyparkertrial.com forward slash, forward slash sweat. So, joselphotography.com, if you want to uh, check out our guest, uh, we'll put the links. If we're not too, too lazy, we'll put the links in the description of this episode. And Joe's a good dude, man, and he talks about, uh, he he talks about some pretty uh, humbling stuff that, we're not Mark Marion's podcast. We're not talking about, you know, to people that have gone to the lowest valleys. We, we, I mean, we don't really, it's not really the show, but he, uh, you know, he realized drinking might not be for him. So it's an interesting thing. It's, it's interesting that he wasn't like a, an alcoholic to where it was really, really bad, but he just goes, this isn't, this isn't where I want to be. And I think that's interesting. I think that's the most interesting thing about behavior and business and just life in general. So, you know, get into it. Have fun. See if you can take anything out of it. Share this out. And I love you. How dare you? Um, all right, so... We talked about it the other day. 
So if we could connect part one, we're back. If not, this is just going to be uh, its own episode start. <laughs> um, or we'll probably record an intro. But Back to Burning Man. Joe Sale. Yeah. Power photographer. Good to be here. Um, and uh, we were talking about how to be a, a professional photographer, and you were getting into the zone to drop some knowledge about Magnum, uh, the Magnum agency, you know, what, what's your peak as a photographer nowadays? Um, pick it up, I guess, pick, I, I don't even know where you left off cause I was yeah. so worried about our tech issues. Well, you know, I, I kind of, I got into photography late, you know, I never studied it as a kid. I never, um, studied it at college, you know, at the age of 35, I picked up a camera and that's how I got into it. So, um, you know, the last four years have been a really strong learning, uh, experience for me, but during that time, like I've, I've studied a lot of what has made people famous in the world of photography. And um, Henry Cartier-Bresson is one of the most well-known famous photographers. He's a French photographer. And um, he used to do a lot of press photography. And he started his own agency called Magnum Photos. And um, even though he's no longer around, Magnum Photos is a very strong agency where they probably have 100, I don't know the exact number, but they probably have 100 photographers on staff. And, you know, back 10 15 years ago if you work for life magazine like you were or national geographic you were a pinnacle you were at the top of the photography world and um, now there's people that line up to submit their work to magnum photos because that is a certain level of prestige where if you re if you make it to that point you have you have reached the pinnacle of your photography career and uh, there's only so much more that you can do but um that's there's people that work there for 30 40 years and and that's what they're known for and, um, you know, they send photographers out to areas of conflict and, you know, then they sell the images to other press organizations. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a very strong agency. I think it's still out of uh, um, France, if I'm not mistaken, but um, they have offices in the United States, too. But uh, for me, that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. Like, I, I need to get to a certain point in my career. I can't rush it. You know, I still have to build a body of work and I still need to work hard every day to kind of earn enough to where I can continue to, to create and do things that I want to do, but still trying to figure out what I want to be known for in the photography world. Like and, uh, what kind of specific example of like an individual photographer doing something unique that kind of sets them apart? I'm just trying to like figure that out. Like what, what could they be doing that's so special? Well, I mean, you have photographers that, you know, they, they do more humanitarian stuff. Um, there's a photographer out of Nashville, um, and I always forget his name. Uh, Jeremy Cowart is his name, uh, C-O-W-A-R-T. And, um, you know, he's shot, like, Garth Brooks album covers. Uh, you know, he has a studio in, in, in Nashville or just outside of Nashville. But he'll go to areas of conflict. So when they had the wildfires in Tennessee, you know, he, he would go out and do these beautiful aerial photos of, you know, somebody's estate that has now been burnt to the ground. There's, there's literally nothing there except for a bathtub and, you know, maybe a wall or two, but he would bring a brand new white mattress out and have the family lay on the mattress and fly a drone straight overhead and take a shot down. And then he would tell that person's or that family's story and help create a GoFundMe account for them. So, you know, he's helping people through his photography and telling a story, um, but also doing something to where he's helping those people and uh, raising that's awareness cool. for something. And yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he was just down in Florida. He did something, um, you know, for Hurricane Irma. Uh, he was down near the Keys and in the Everglades, and uh, he did some long exposure stuff. So 
Uh, Jeremy Cohort's one of those guys, um, really doing unique stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, I mean, there, there's so many photographers out there that are just doing great things. But um, So you had mentioned that you were talking about, you know, taking your photography to the next level by also helping others. Or What did you have in mind? You well, you know, last year I didn't, I, I was introduced to somebody who was struggling with cancer. Um, her name's Solaria. She was diagnosed with leukemia. And when I met her, um, she had just gone through this extreme kind of um, test procedure to kind of, she had 97% leukemia in her blood cells. And she had just gone through this procedure to get that down to 7%. And then she was going into chemo to get that knocked down to zero. Mm -hmm. And I did the shoot with her when she was at the 7%. She had no hair. Um, I, I didn't charge her a single penny. I couldn't. I mean, from the moment I met her, and this, this woman had such a beautiful personality, um, so upbeat, so positive, so happy just to be here and be alive. Like, she even got into nursing when she found out she had cancer so that she can help other people. Wow. wow. And uh, she's close to 60 years old. So, I mean, she's almost at the retirement age, and yet she's still out there trying to do what she can to help other people. And um, so we did a beautiful shoot together, um, some, some really kind of creative portraits um, that kind of show some emotions. And um, I would like to do more of that to where I can share her story and help bring some awareness to, uh, you know, leukemia or do some fundraising for that. But... Um, I had reached out to her when I got back from Burning Man, uh, probably about six months after our shoot. And I was like, Solaria, I just want to follow up with you. I, I was asked to write a piece for a magazine, and I want to write about you, and I want to share some of the photos that we did. And she got back to me immediately, and she was like, Joe, can we do a shoot tomorrow? Because I have to go back into the hospital on Sunday. Mm. And uh, so the cancer had come back, and um, that was on a Friday. And on Saturday, we went out and did a sunset shoot out on the beach. And, um, you know, she, her hair had grown back. You know, she was doing so well. She met the love of her life. Like, so many positive things have gone on in her life. And then all of a sudden, she was told that she had to go back and, and do another round of chemo because the cancer was back. So um, that was three weeks ago. She's doing better now. Um, but just the ability to kind of do those things. Like, I'm not making money doing that as a photographer. But that's kind of what you have to do to make a name for yourself is... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're using your gift right. as a medium to get other people, you know, and, and helping them and at the same time. And yeah, you're like, awesome. your compass is like, I don't know what this is going to do for me. Like, mm -hmm. or, like the business or if anything, yeah. I know it's in the right direction. I yeah. feel like I, I have to do a lot of that and go like, I don't know what, like we just like a lot of like, we found out with a lot of lawyer clients, they do a lot of work for free that no one knows about Right. with a lot of like, a lot of services, businesses, they do a lot of work for free or like that they're that they don't even have a client on the other side to pay for, right? Right. Um, but the the people who I feel like are successful, like they may not be able to articulate it in a way that like I know this is gonna make money one day because of X, Y, and Z, but you know it's in the right direction. Like you know like for instance, I did stand up when I was I started when I was twenty one and I was really bad about, um, I was really bad about doing crowd work and it scared me and it, you know, it's tough to do. And especially when you're early twenties, you don't know shit about anything. Like I'm, uh, you, I'm destroyed. right. Yeah. And I, and I had a, a, you know, pretty vanilla background. So it's like, it's not like I had some kind of struggle stuff to talk about, right. like a lot of my other comedian buddies. So I was like, look, I'm going to 
go take improv classes to get better at this. I don't know when it's going to help. Yeah. I think it'll help that, but I know it's in the right direction. I know taking a yeah. sketch writing class is in the right direction, even though I don't want to do that. Well, yeah, you're, you're furthering your craft. And, you know, like over the first three, four years of photography, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a single guy. Um, I do enjoy working with models and doing those, you know, beauty portraits and, and like, but there's, there's really no story behind that. I mean, it's a beautiful girl. You know, she's wearing a unique outfit. She's posing and it's on a white background or it's, you know, a shot on location. But it's really just about the pretty girl and the clothes. Like, I mean, there's, there's no story there. But then you take a, a close-up headshot of a woman with no hair and she's got the most sincere look in her face. And you take that picture and you post it and it gets more likes than a half-naked woman uh, because you're telling a story. You're, you're helping somebody, but at the same time, there's something way more powerful about that. Sure. And that's something I learned in year four of my photography career. So I learn every day that, you know, that what I've done in the past, it's not necessarily wrong. It's all been a learning experience and, you know, shooting that model a certain way on the background. Like, it's all about the lighting. It's all about, you know, creating a background or creating a set. All of that helped me get to the point where I can shoot this woman in a bed of flowers um, with her, her, her chemo port sticking out of her arm. You know, like all these yeah. things are just like, it, it all brings you to a point where now you know what you want to do and you just have to have the resources to be able to do that for people. And that's, that's what I do. I, I try to work every day with my commercial clients who pay, you know, two fifty, three hundred dollars $300 for a headshot. I use that money to pay the bills, but then I also use that money to help try to do other things for people that can't necessarily, you know, yeah, afford any, to do it on their if own. If anybody's listening to this, that is your one of your clients and like, Hey, what the fuck? I'm getting ripped <laughs> off. That's bullshit. Cause every, every business runs that way. Yeah. You know, like, there's always some kind of comps or freebies or uh, community giving yeah. that it evens out the profit margin at well, yeah, 30 or whatever. If you're getting pissed about the, the person with leukemia, then they're kind of a dick. Yeah, they're, they're dicks. Well, but, but you, you got to most, I mean, you know, most business owners think pictures shouldn't cost that much. And it's like, especially because he's so efficient, in a way, in their brain, it, it makes them be like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, we just yeah. did a website under a day, right? like, got it back for someone. Yeah. And I'm worried we give it back too early. Uh, they're gonna be like, oh, this I overpaid because this is too easy for you. That's why the, I stand in my kitchen when my wife's home when I work, <laughs> so that it makes it look like I'm working harder. Yeah, can't be sitting on the couch, lazy ass. I know. I wish I want drop cams on us working on the thing. I know. Like so, it's just like here's the yeah. live feed. Of yeah. the whole thing. Here's our Twitch it's TV. Not my this. fantasy football. Yeah, I mean, like when it comes to the commercial photography stuff too. Like, yeah, it, it is hard to justify. With, with somebody who doesn't understand the power of a professional headshot. I mean, if you're in real estate and you have a cell phone picture of your, your face and that's your LinkedIn profile or that's on your website or your business card, you're going to look like a clown. But if you have a professional, uh, well-lit... Well yeah, I need to get some headshots. Yeah, headshots, I'll give you some, yeah, headshots work. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll hook that up. You're going to get, get more business from it. So like a clown three, business? So a $300 headshot session you know, will ultimately end up getting you more business and, and make you look at a certain level of professionalism that most people don't even have or, or acquire, desire yeah. to have. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be pretty crafty to get a really good iPhone shot of yourself to make it, you know, like, and even then, it's it's not, it's not going to have the eye. Like, it's you not can what tell. you talked about. You could tell a professional picture, like, immediately. It's not, you know, <laughs> most people can't tell why, why that is better looking. Style and tone, but I right. Just, that, that's better. Well, and, you know. and so we, the more we do the creative side and really try to analyze it and how 
we're, we're in, internally we're analyzing a lot like how do you value creative in a in a way that we can kind of explain it to the math side the business the business only kind of people that they don't get it they downplay it and we talk about it the more we get into it we don't have that answer yet but the, the more we get into it is it's all storytelling yeah. like all creative is just storytelling and it but it's you know some are short some are you know even ads Geico does a great job of getting like a quick story in 15 seconds, even less five second interstitial ads. And so like people rag on Geico and I'm like, I don't know whoever is doing their shit to me is like kind of the best team because they can get it to a broad audience. It's somewhat witty. And it, it, if you can do tell a story in five seconds, that's pretty amazing. I think Geico must have like five different teams because they have certain like, distinct like not nearly as funny ones but some of them they have different great. campaigns for sure like yeah but like uh there's a yeah the distinct well, probably like, more of a distinct audience mm-hmm. like that they're looking for yeah they also have a, a gigantic budget you know where they're they're probably spending uh, i wouldn't, wouldn't even gather to guess maybe five hundred thousand dollars a week on radio ads alone sure oh sure and then and then all of these online you know promoted posts i mean that's probably another three four hundred thousand dollars a week or if not a day that they're spending I mean, think about it. Like, I could probably find out. Yeah, I mean, you see everywhere you go. We've Geico, got some software or, to figure that out. Or Progressive. Or Actually, you, you know just what? ruined his afternoon. You know what? Way. Facebook ads now, yeah. they're showing, this is, this is a little fun fact. I like giving tidbits that I find out throughout the week. Uh, Facebook ads, they're trying something where they po- it's transparent. Yeah. So if you go on their, their page, uh, you might be able to see how much they're spending per day. Yeah, thanks, thanks Russia. Yeah. Uh, so, so I wonder if that's the Russia backlash. <laughs> I'll bet it is. Here's the fucked up thing. It's only for about half the site, half the pages. Mm-hmm. So like our podcast may have it and our business one doesn't. It's weird. That is, I don't know if I like that. Because they claim it's testing. Oh. But now now you have a problem with how, who you, who do you, why'd you pick this and not this right. kind of thing. Yeah, but you, you take that that correlation, you know, like Geico is spending a certain amount of money just on ads and those ads are either short videos, you know, they don't really do much in still photography, maybe in, in some magazines and whatnot, but, um, they're taking that money and, and gaining a certain number of new clients. So if you break that down, even on a level of just, you have a new headshot, you post that new headshot on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, somebody's going to see it. Someone's going to say, Hey, you know, my, my friend Jane, she's a realtor. Um, you know, so it, it's going to lead to more business and, you know, $300 for a headshot is, is nothing. I mean, there's, there's photographers that'll charge less. There's photographers that'll charge more. Um, so for me, I just try to find my, my sweet spot and work with people who want to work with me and then, um, you know, try to deliver something that nobody else can do. And you don't fuck around. You send the pictures as quick as you can, which is like, God, I, you know, we talked about this with, uh, he has a video production company with his buddy. Um, and like, we were talking about like how do you flip around that video quicker? Why does it take two months to get a wedding video? Like, yeah, you know, it, there should be a process to make that quick. Yeah, video video is a lot harder than stills. I mean, sure, there's a lot, a lot right. of editing, but, but two months. There's is, a lot more. There's creative in the edit. A lot more creative uh, thought that goes into the editing of editing a video than uh, necessarily a, a photo. Uh, yeah, <coughs> I agree. So that's part of it. I agree. You literally are telling the story through uh-huh. editing, but I'm saying like. Like I, the two months I'm saying is for like shitty editing still 
for right, a lot yeah, of people. Like yeah. it's like it took you two months to do. I could do this on iMovie. Yeah, you know, people like, have no idea. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. I hear nightmare stories. You know, people are like, you know, it's taken three weeks for me just to get a handful of images from our shoot. And you know, for me, if, if it's fresh in my head, I want to get it out. Like, I, I yeah, that it's can fresh. be huge. I, I can go do a shoot, upload the photos to Lightroom, do some initial edits, upload them to Dropbox, deliver them to the client in an hour or two. <laughs> And I'm literally, I'm done at that point. Yeah. And, you know, I don't do retouching on my own. I, I don't, I don't know Photoshop. I don't do it. Uh, it would take me years to get to a proficient level to where I feel comfortable doing it. So I have a team of retouchers. So, you know, on a headshot session, you pick out your top three or four images that you want me to work with. I'll have those retouched. And I'll send them to you in 24 hours and we're done. Like, there's no reason to extend it. And even without you maybe even consciously knowing it and just trying to have that good workflow, it creates a better client experience. I'll say from my side, personally, like you go in and take pictures uh, and I could, you showed it to me, you know, on the, on the screen, on the camera, but when you send them like within three days or whatever, it gets you kind of excited about it. When you have yeah. to wait two weeks to get them, yeah. even if they're not the retouched ones, I think it yeah. creates this weird oh, I gap. I forgot about that. Right. Yeah. I yeah. feel like uh, people, I think people get really excited to get those pictures back you know, within a timely manner and it, it, it catches them at their peak of excited for, about your business. Yeah. Well, I mean, I must always try to do it within 24 hours. I mean, even, uh, you know, for instance, there's a local charity called on bikes. Yeah. And, um, on Wednesday they had the bike build where they built 800 bikes. I was there from 11 till 11 AM till 8 PM shooting stills, time-lapse, you know, just working my, my ass off all day for a charity because I believe in what they do. And, I stayed up till 2 a.m. I got them over 150 images that they could use on social media right away uh -huh. on that same day. And then I delivered the rest of them the next morning. So, you know, they have the content that's relevant to their business or the, their charity in this case. But they have that content. It's fresh. Like, why? Why? If you post it three weeks from now, no one's going to care. Like, yeah, it's, it's there's like that fun. when you do go away from it and you have that reevaluate, like when you go back to it and you're looking at it, you're like, OK, what was I going to do here? Like that whole phase the is reset, just, that yeah. kills. It's like, OK, and then you might not even be going the direction you wanted to go. Right. in. But uh, yeah, that's what I find that I'm fighting all the time if I'm yeah. coming back to it. Especially yeah, we're, we're working on that with like like website development for us is like it, it's yeah, not good to chop up. Even though we're working on like being able to kind of look at it like a doctor's, uh, uh, like a doctor can do rounds and look at the chart and go, here's where we're at. We're doing that part because that's important to scale. But as far as actually doing the work, it doesn't behoove us to like be so choppy in that process. So we've been figuring that out the hard way. But um, at the same time, it's like, you know, I try to explain to clients, it was like, I don't want to it does it does work better because you show so much short-term memory and i'm sure you do on the post of the taking photos or any video you shot you shoot that uh you want to keep it fresh and you already have these ideas even if you write them down yeah. when you go back and look at them it's not it's there's something disconnected yeah you write the one word you're like i'll remember what that means right tuna fish right, i, I mm -hmm. have no idea <laughs> like what the fuck yeah and some things take longer than others to be you know extra special they take a lot more work and um you know i think on the image side if it's not anything super creative or if it's not uh, anything that is, is super moving, it, it, you don't you shouldn't think too much about it. You just make I it like that. Make it look its best and deliver it to the client. And then if there's something that needs to be done more, then then you can do that. You can do revisions and whatnot. But for me as a photographer, I mean, I hear that other people take three weeks to deliver images. 
and that's one thing for a wedding, you know, when you have a couple thousand images from a single event. Sure. I get that. But if I were to shoot weddings, which I don't, the only wedding I've ever shot was at Burning Man, and uh, it'll probably be that way. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know that I would... Wise sh- man. Yeah, I don't know that I would shoot a traditional wedding and have 3,000 images on two different cameras and then have to go through and, and you know, really kind of go through and, and edit all of them. But even if I did, I would try to do that within 48 hours. And, it, and, it's, and it's entirely doable, but um, unless you have another wedding the next day, which some people do, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not, yeah, not for me. Wedding, well, I mean, so. it's all process. Like they got into it, and you know, uh, you just figure out how to get better. And yeah. it's not as frustrating, but it's still it's still tough. It's very client oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I learn something new on every shoot, and uh, I try to apply that to the next shoot every time. And it's just like I still make mistakes. I I, I hope I continue to make mistakes, but uh, sometimes those mistakes actually turn into a more memorable photograph. And, uh, you know, whether you drag your shutter or the lighting is different, uh, you know, one of the flashes didn't fire, it could turn into more of a dramatic picture. So sometimes you get lucky in those regards, but uh, a lot of the times it just boils down to just doing what you think is right and getting it done for your client as soon as possible and then move on to the next project. I like that not overthinking the simple, not simple stuff, but like basic, you know, not trying to reinvent the wheel or whatever. I think a lot of people who edit or whatever they tinker and tinker and yeah. tinker and it's like dude what, you know like what is what are we even looking at anymore you know it completely changes the dynamic yeah. of what it and was and some images just, just they're not salvageable like just right delete move on like yeah. you know or reshoot it's it hard to do yeah. hard to do it's your baby well i hope we salvage the first half of this because it was good and it if we if we try to ask you the same questions of what we talked about in the beginning we're not going to get that magic again right and we we talk good. about it like it save it for the pod save it for, don't, we'll talk about stuff and it's like save it for on air because it just won't become authentic but the last thing i was <laughs> i want to ask you about and we can cut it out too is uh <laughs> is the uh the music festival stuff um oh, controversy end. of sorts which to me wasn't a big deal at all you just got kind of uh railroaded you got railroaded pretty bad uh do you know i haven't heard about this? this no i'm excited to hear it I'll, do you want i'll do you want me to kind of set the table you can set the table yeah, i'll try i'll try the yeah, best i can it. so uh we have uh tampa has the gasparilla music fest it's kind of um been around about five six years or something like that and it, it's become you know an outdoor festival downtown tampa but you know kind of the bigger one in tampa really coming up in march yep um and it's a good time we're friend we're you know friendly with that group that puts it on we you know um went to high school with several of the people on the board yeah yeah and i and i want to see it do well but i when i saw this i was like oh man this this is terrible so like uh joe's out there taking photos uh and two days two day festival saturday and sunday Mm -hmm. and i guess there was an artist is it ryan adams because there's a brian adams and there's a ryan adams right that's correct. And I've, I, now I, I'm like old man River. I forget yeah, I which one's which. Ryan is the younger yeah. one that was there. And right? you, can, you can say who. <laughs> Most people do. They're Ryan like, Adams is he was from <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I forgot his, his last part of his name is who at the end. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, so Ryan Adams is on stage, and I guess you're taking photos. It's the daytime, right? Uh, right or around sunset, d- okay. yeah. And, um, you know, I was credentialed. Um, I offered to kind of – I wanted to shoot. It's a two-day event. I mean, I, I shot probably 14 different performances. And then uh, Ryan Adams was closing out. You know, Saturday night was uh, Cage the Elephant. 
by far one of the most amazing live performances I've ever seen. Sure. Really? Yeah. They, um, you know, sweet. I like them. Yeah. They, they allowed photographers in the pit. They allowed photographers in the crowd. And um, going into it, you know, Ryan Adams was the only photographer or the only musician that had a special rider saying that, well, if you deliver the images and we don't give you credit, you know, we're not reliable for that. So I'm like, screw it. I'll go ahead and sign it anyway. But there was no mention of any conditions that he has or any um, medical conditions or whatever. That would have been a perfect place to put it um, because every photographer had to read it and sign it. And um, there was no mention of any conditions that he has. Um, but one of the conditions that he did have was that you can't shoot in the pit, which is the area between the stage and the crowd, and you can't shoot in the crowd. So the only place you can photograph his performance was past, behind. past the soundstage. Jeez. So, or, or, or the sound equipment in the middle, you know, it's it's probably five, six hundred feet back uh, from the stage. And um, at that point, I was just kind of pissed off. I'm like, man, I, I photographed all these other performances. Like, I just want to get some good shots. I really didn't even know who he was. I mean, I knew the name, but I didn't not familiar with his work. Um, so, I was like, screw it. And, and he did have a big thing where it said no flashes. Um, all of his security guards had no flash up by the stage. I preface by the stage, you know, so <laughs> when I get 500 feet back to the soundstage, there's a, um, one of the, uh, the lifts, like a, a cherry picker type lift where they mm -hmm. have the spotlights and they weren't being used for his set because, uh, it was sunset. It wasn't dark yet. So I asked the sound crew, Hey, do you mind if I get up in that lift and get like an elevated crowd shot of the performance? So you get the stage, you get the crowd, you get the river in the background, you get university of Tampa, you get the sunset. Yeah. And um, I got a beautiful shot, but I was also using my flash, so which would have zero effect on somebody on a stage five, six, eight hundred feet away, however it might be. But he's on stage. I'm thirty feet above the crowd using my flash, so that's the only thing he sees. Mm -hmm. And uh, he decides to call me out for not using the, or for using the flash and during uh, his performance. During the performance, uh, <laughs> which. He even said, he's like, why are you guys having... Is there having... a video of this? Yeah, there's, I'm sure there is. <laughs> but uh, I will be looking at it. And, uh, you know, he even said on stage, he's like, I have no idea why you guys want me here. I'm a sad musician that sings sad songs, and I'm closing out your festival, but here we go. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like, wow. This guy's yeah. just looking for trouble. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, like, literally the crowd, there was <laughs> that, a... That, dude, I can just imagine feeling so lonely on top of that cherry picker. Well, yeah, as, as soon as he called... On display. Uh, as soon as he called me out, I literally, I just, I flicked him the bird and um <laughs> oh, good for you yeah i mean like come on man what like, else are you gonna do like literally you're gonna take time off i'm not affecting you with my flash yeah, i'm using the flash to fill in the crowd immediately closer to me not anywhere near the stage and um part of me was doing it on purpose anyway just to kind of screw it yeah. like you made such a big deal not having photographers near the stage i'm so far away from the stage i'm gonna use my flash that's not like anybody in the crowd's not using their flash with a phone like, exactly get yeah out of here with there that. are people plenty of people in the crowd doing the same thing and, that's a good uh, point i didn't even think about that yeah, i mean there's yeah. i mean <laughs> there's so many people that are just so bad with their phone and oh, it's yeah. defaulted it was just because he was raised up and he could see the flash yeah. above the horizon or whatever yeah. so he called me out i flicked him off and but then you uh, didn't know what he was saying to you right I, like he was saying like something like uh like calling you an asshole he's like yeah that guy up there on the green thing using his flash or whatever and that's when i flicked him off and i, I knew it wasn't a positive thing that he was saying about me <laughs> so i didn't i didn't really care at that point i mean like a i didn't really know much about this dude he can't be that great anyway but um 
I don't know. I, I I decided to go to Twitter afterwards and be like, dude, like, you, you know, you're an asshole. Like, you know, you don't want photographers anywhere near the stage. How how do you expect to get good photographs? This and, is where you have the comics kind of mentality. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm gonna immediately say something back. Real quick, right? One yeah. little tiny thing. And then uh, he writes back. He goes, "Hey, asshole, I have Meniere's disease. Uh, that's why I don't have flashes." Uh, and I'm like, oh, you are the okay. Asshole. He said, okay, Ansel Adams, according to the paper. Yeah, he oh, okay, really? Ansel Adams, yeah. And if he even knew what Ansel Adams did, then he probably wouldn't use that as a reference. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not big on Twitter anyway. I, I never knew really the wrath of what, <laughs> tro- what trolls are. And, like, Ryan Adams fans are apparently big on trolling. And, uh, you know, that, I just... I, I would guess it. a super ang- the liberal side. Those hit those like real crunchy people are actually, I think, real angry. Uh, they're emo. They're, they're more angry than than uh, uh, they get credit for. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, li- I mean, people you decide know. to to knock you down for for no reason, but they have two followers, and it's like their parents on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it's like I I don't need this shit in my life, so I just I deleted Twitter. I'm like I don't you know what what purpose is even having it. And I still don't have it today. Like it's. Oh, I was hoping you were gonna say I got ten thousand followers from that. Well, I do on Instagram. Like I mean, I I got zero zero feedback on Instagram. So nobody even said anything to me about it on Instagram. I've got close to ten thousand followers on Instagram. I get a lot of work from Instagram. Uh, it's where I choose to share my work. But um, I, I just literally I was just so over it. I just deleted Twitter. I'm like I don't want anything to do with it. And um, you know Ryan Adams. To this day, I could care less about. I don't listen to his music. I don't care to. I don't even know if he still makes music. Um, I think he's most well known for dating Mandy Moore. Something it's like got that. me. Sure, yeah, yeah sure. So, um, I don't know. I, 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 it was a learning experience. Um, well, we, we were going to have you on that next for, like week, yeah. and I was like, yes, let's talk about that because you're still fired up because the paper kind of the paper made it worse. Like well, the paper took well, everybody what? took his side. The journalist. Basically, well, what they said was without talking to him that much, the organizer of Gasparilla Music Festival, and it's not the organizer, it was the lady who handles their press and PR, said that every photographer was made aware that Ryan Adams had Meniere's disease, which is categorically false. I mean, I had no idea A, who he was, B, that he has a condition. I don't, I don't want to call it a disease, a condition. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you have seizures, from flashes or from lights and you're on stage, which he's never, he's never had a seizure on stage, but he claims that it causes it. And you know, it's just one of those bad line of work (laughs) for a performer. Wear sunglasses or, you know, like do it, do it in the dark, be a studio guy only. I don't know. know. It was, it was a good learning experience. (laughs) And you know, one thing led to another, but it the the old adage, you know, any press is good press or bad press is good press. Um, It kind of held true. Um, the first couple of days were rough because you know nobody really reads the story; they just read the headline and they're like, no, no flash at, at concerts. You know, every photographer should never use a flash at concerts. And I'm like, you know, I did that for 13 other performances. I used the flash on this performance for a certain reason, and I was nowhere near the stage. But nobody even takes that in, into account. And uh, I was the only photographer to get on the lift, get 30 feet above the crowd get that shot that includes the stage the crowd the river the sunset and you know i I just so those photos themselves the ones that you got raised up did you what did you do with those i have them i mean i delivered them to gasparilla music festival and i can't wait for them to use them and i'll sue them like (laughs) that was my question yeah but literally the crowd was not even that 
it wasn't that full. So I mean, I, I mean, it would have been great if it was like a, a real like if, if Brian Adams was there, then maybe the <laughs> crowd would have been full, and you know, it it would have been even a more powerful shot, and maybe we would have been able to photograph near the stage. Play that Robin Hood soundtrack. Yeah, like I mean, come on, man, really? get over yourself. Wasn't like, that him? I have no idea. Uh, That's a deep pull. I don't know, man. For me, uh, as a photographer, I'm like, if if I can't get access to something, then what's the point of even shooting it? So it wasn't even about shooting him it was about shooting something for the for the group Gasparilla Music Festival which I wanted to work with them I mean I, I, I went to high school with most of the people that sit on the board and I was like hey man this would be a great opportunity for me to work on my concert stuff and even the guy who does all their social media wrote back he's like because they started using some of my images without credit after the uh, the story came out and he goes hey man like I really don't know what's going on with your images or, or the story but literally your images are the best and I'm like out of 12 photographers or 13 photographers that were there, I'm like, you know, that means a lot, but you still can't use them without credit because I, I worked for two days for free for you. Yeah, like, why don't you step yeah. up and stand up yeah. for me a little bit and yeah, we'll don't, talk about don't it. Don't throw somebody under the bus. And, and she went above and beyond to say not only did they notify me and everybody else that he had a condition, but they also went above and beyond and said that um, she would never recommend me to any of her friends or colleagues or she would never work with me again. So Jeez. there was some defamation there that, uh, you know, some defamatory That was in the paper? It was in the paper, yeah. Jeez. So, and then it got spread, you know, how social media is. It got spread on all these other Facebook pages and news outlets and the National Association of Press Photographers shared the story and then, then you have all these press photographers saying, no flash at a concert, rule number one. Like, no shit, assholes. Like, I get it. Read the story. Like, and they didn't read the story. So, yeah, the world of photography, I think, doesn't have a lot of uh, controversial. Uh, there's yeah. just plenty of assholes. Unless it's who, a paparazzi. Like, they just like to knock down people because it's true. There are tons of photographers out there that just, they, they do it in an amateurish way. And thank you for having Brian Adams in the background. <laughs> I love it. Um, and not having Ryan this Adams. This makes me so happy that this is playing in the background while you're telling your story. You could have put stars go boom, and I would have been all right with that too. But this is the Robin Hood one, though, oh, it is, right? Yeah. Kevin Costner, it. Robin Hood, mm -hmm. ah. mm -hmm. not Men in Tights. I was like Dave Chappelle. <laughs> so uh, that was my first. Uh, and this is Brian Adams. Yeah. I'm just seeing, just clarifying. Sorry. And uh, that was my first kind of foray into a negative press article um, about my work, and it really wasn't even about my work because, like I said, nobody else got that shot, Ugh. and uh, it's procedural. Yeah, but you're legit now. Yeah, I mean the bad boy. Nobody's of the photography world. <laughs> nobody's talking about the other photographers that were there, or their shots. So, uh, I guess at the end of the day, it worked out. I mean, I'm not proud about it, but at the same time, like you didn't do anything wrong. I didn't you know, do anything like, wrong. Just, yeah. Be embarrassed about it. He's a dick. He's he a dick. It could have been such an easy, like, oh, hey, you know, just so you know. He's like, kind of known for that too. So, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we talked on the phone that week because you wanted to come. I was like, come on, let's talk about it because. I think it's I never I didn't know I don't know many people that have had uh, something kind of go viral incorrectly like that you know and yeah. so I wanted to hear about what was going on at the time but we thought maybe potential well, litigation so it was kind of like it just Ugh. so happened one of one of our clients is a, a wonderful business attorney and uh, him and his wife decided that you know it, it wouldn't be great for me to go on and talk about it and. Um, you know, I did go on FM radio and talk about it with Drew Garabo on, on his show and just kind of explained it. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things. But I was going to give you final cut. You could have yeah. y'all could have we could have cut out whatever we could. And I I, I think I should have done it. But at the same time, yeah. I, I, I lost one client because of it. And um, I'm OK with that. Like All if they're that now, yeah. if they're that close minded about it and they, they, they read something 
in a paper or they read the headline or they see the negative stuff going on about it, then I don't, you know, I don't want to work with that person anyway. So exactly. Plus, I bet if y'all sat in a room together, you guys would probably get along. Like, you know, like it's that thing of like, well, man, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I you know, mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. under normal circumstances, how about that? I like, don't, I don't wear that much denim, so I don't, I don't know that I'd I get along. See with. this guy now. Um, <laughs> stupid face. All right, so that's why, uh, that's why he doesn't like photographers being close to the stage. Uh, He's okay. not very photogenic. Mm. And he does wear double denim. Mm. Oh. Mm. Um, all right. Well, before our Mevo camera just completely fries, uh, and we got another meeting coming in. Uh, do your plugs again in case uh, we didn't get it in the first half. Sure. Um, just do a quick search for Joe Sale Photography. Um, or Joe Sale. There he is. Uh, or Joe Sale, um, S A L E. Mm -hmm. And um, I own a studio here in Tampa called Tampa Image Factory. And um, if you go on Instagram or Facebook, um, not on Twitter, uh, but if you go on Instagram and Facebook um, and look up Joe Sale or Tampa Image Factory, you'll be able to find me there. Mm, I wonder if we're going to title this some clickbaity kind of thing. Uh, please don't. <coughs> Jeez. Controversy in all caps. No, no. I, I think it's more about uh, I've got a couple of things I wrote down while we were talking. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we touched on if we have that first half, we touched on, you know, pretty cool stuff so i uh, appreciate you coming on man yeah sure thing man and I, I just you know ryan adams had a career before me uh i had a career before ryan adams i'll have one after like you know it's not the end of the world um i just i don't want to be known as a photographer who is like a, a bull in a china store which somebody characterized me as but i am six two and 240 pounds like i if i want if i want a shot i'm gonna go after it and get it you're girthy man you and could uh, be yeah, the I bad boy of the photography world uh, i'm fine with that give yourself a persona yeah well there's alan henson he's another famous photographer he's the bad boy of photography oh, okay so. yeah he's yeah. got bigger traps yeah no uh, <laughs> all right well uh thanks for having me on i appreciate it guys. for joe eric and law uh subscribe on itunes tell your friends about this uh you know go to warby parker uh, go to the link that we're going to put in the post. Go over there. Even if you're not getting glasses, it kind of helps us out. So um, just go click on the link so it comes from different IP addresses than ours. And um, <laughs> and uh, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, we're on Spotify, I think. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, YouTube. Laughable. Laughable. The Laughable app. So you can tag Eric or I if we ever do another podcast. Uh, again. Ever again. Someone else's will, will show up in your feed, which uh, iTunes doesn't have. So, nice. All right. Thank Peace. You.